This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. I want to take us into the Word for a few moments. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them. Let's turn to the book of Daniel. Or if you have your device, go ahead and click over there to Daniel chapter 1. If you haven't already downloaded your your notes from our CLC app, I encourage you to do that. And just take notes as we walk through the Word today. We're in a brand new series called Focus. Focus, living with clarity in times of uncertainty. And today, we want to focus focus in on how do we stand with clarity? How do we stand when things all around us are shaken, things are being uprooted, everything that we know is falling uh, to the wayside, really? How do we stand in clarity? And clarity? And so today, we're going to be looking in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. Now, let me give you a little bit of the background of Daniel chapter 1. And in, in Daniel chapter 1, it's 605 BC. I don't want to give a history lesson. But you got to understand the backdrop of our story today. 605 BC and Jerusalem, the people of Israel, the people of God are being invaded by Babylon. Now, Babylon, we're going to begin to learn, is a very wicked society. It's a it's a it's a very wicked place. There's evil that's rising up. And as we begin to look into the book of Daniel, this is our backdrop. God's judgment actually is coming on Jerusalem. Jerusalem, And we know from, uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 28, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it begins to talk about some things. And I want to detour for a moment and just tell you the backdrop before we jump in to Daniel chapter 1. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God begins to challenge his people. It's actually Moses before Moses is is about to pass away and he's going to turn over leadership to Joshua. And before he turns over leadership to Joshua, he begins to tell the people, the Israelites, the people of God, the commands and what God says is going to happen if they obey if they walk with God. Now that's the key. If they obey and they walk with God, there's going to be these blessings that are going to come onto their life. Now this is Moses' final message, his moments where he's got an opportunity to begin to speak to them. And he begins to talk about all of these blessings that will come. And it's to spur them on. It's what's going to guide them and lead them and direct them and help them to focus in on the purposes of God. Because God's blessings aren't just automatically released. They're not just, you know, randomly given out. God chooses he's going to bless him or her or or you. It's not just because of something I've done that's going to get the blessing. The blessings of God are conditional and Moses begins to talk about it and he begins to say, if you obey, if you follow God, if you walk in the ways of God, if you walk in God's ways. Sometimes we take it for granted. We come into the house of God. We connect in times of worship or devotion, but we forget that God has been very, very clear that if you walk in my ways, if you obey my commands, if you render your heart to me, then my blessings will fall on you. Now, this is the backdrop of Daniel chapter one. And, 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 and in Deuteronomy, Moses begins to speak prophetically from the Lord. And I hope that it's a word that we can grab prophetically here today. And that is if we walk in the ways of God, if we obey God, then Moses says, you'll be fruitfulness. 
There'll be blessings in your life. Your daily activities will be blessed. Man, you'll have victory over your enemies. Think about that. Victory over your enemy. Your labor, he says, your work, your employment will be blessed. Your, your life will grow spiritually, that you'll begin to see prosperity in your life. In fact, he says, you'll have excess. You'll have more than enough. Say that with me, more than enough. That you'll have more than enough. I'm telling you, that's a blessing that God says we'll have if we walk in his ways. But then in Deuteronomy chapter, the end of chapter 28 and into chapter 29, all the way to the chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, he says, but if you obey, these blessings will come. If you obey, the promises of God will be released. But if you disobey, if you rebel, if you turn from God, if you go your own way, if you do not hearken the voice of the Lord, hear me, if you don't hear the voice of the Lord, then he says, and it's a warning, it's a challenge, it's, it's man, you can feel it. And he uses the word curse, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna begin to say that God begins to say, if you do, disobey the covenants of God, then the judgment of God, the, the, the hand of God itself will not enable you to walk in the blessings of the Lord. And that's the backdrop of chapter 28 and 29 of Deuteronomy that leads us right in to Daniel chapter one. And my prayer before I jump into this passage of scripture for us today is just as Moses was stirring and stirring the hearts of the Israelites, my prayer is that today your hearts will be stirred. God will stir your hearts, that our hearts will hear, that our eyes will be open, that we'll see what God is doing in this time. This is more than a pandemic. I believe it's a word from God over the whole world. God is trying to get our attention. Hear me. God is saying to you and I, hear my voice, hear my word. Hearken yourself to my ways. If you walk in my way, then my blessings will be on you. If you renew your covenant to me, if you recommit yourself to my ways, if you walk in my ways, if you recommit yourself and rededicate yourself, then my blessing will be on you. But man, Israel would forget. Israel would turn away, a new leader would come, a new generation would rise up and they would turn away from God. And God would bring back judgment. God would bring back a famine. He would bring pestilence and disease. He would bring it upon them and he would do it as a way to get their hearts to turn back. Well, now Israel has drifted from God again and we land in the book of Daniel. As we land in the book of Daniel, Israel has forgotten God. They're morally and spiritually bankrupt. And so God is wanting to get their attention. And I want to read it to you, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. The Babylonians are about to conquer Israel. And I want you to see that God allows it to happen. And when God allows it to happen, the people of God suffer, even though the judgment of God comes. Hear me. The people of God suffer even when the judgment of God is coming because God is trying to turn all people's hearts back to him. Daniel chapter 1 during the third year of King Jehoiakim, uh, Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it, conquered it. The Lord gave him victory over Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar, the king, took them back to the land of, the, of Babylonia. And he placed these things that he'd taken from the temple in the treasury, in the house of, of his God. 
Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, ordered, ordered as Pinez, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace here some of the young men of Judah's royal family and some of the other noble families. Those who had been brought up to, uh, been brought to, Baba, uh, to, to, to Babylon as captives. And in verse four, select only the strong, the healthy, the good looking men. Hear that ladies? The strong, the healthy, and the good looking were the ones that were coming. And make sure that they are well versed in every branch of learning, math, reading, writing, all of these areas, and gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Now what's gonna happen here is they're gonna go into a three year period of training. It's going, to be the, it's going to be this royal graduate school where they're learning language, they're learning culture, they're learning the Babylonian ways. But you gotta understand that Babylon at this time was a very, very wicked and an evil place. In fact, they would kill babies. Here, I mean, this is, it's just, it's, I can't even fathom it. They would kill babies by throwing them up against the wall. That's how wicked it was at this time. The immorality, the occult worship, the, the deep demonic influence. If they had a state religion, it would be satanic. That would be the state religion. And here is Daniel and his friends and another remnant that aren't really mentioned, but we know that there's a remnant that are taking the Israel that are God-fearing. They've been brought up in the ways of God. They love God, they're devoted to God, and they've been conquered and they're being taken as captives to another country. Now, the way King Nebuchadnezzar would do it so that there would not be an uprising is that King Nebuchadnezzar would separate the, the teens and the children from their parents and their families. They would take family units and divide them up and separate them around so that there would not be an uprising. Daniel and his friends were about 13, 14, 15 year olds at this time. So these are teenagers. Think about that. They're being snatched away and taken to Babylon as teenagers. And here they're gonna be taught language of the Babylonians, culture of the Babylonians, the ways of the Babylonians. They're gonna to begin to be taught that there is no God. But something had already gotten in to Daniel and his friends and that is they knew who God was and they knew what absolute truth was and they understood what their faith was and they understood and they determined that they were gonna still follow God no matter what. And we're gonna see that all through the book of Daniel. So here, as we begin to look at this, I want you to see that King Nebuchadnezzar is a typology of an enemy of our souls. It's a typology of the enemy. The enemy, King Nebuchadnezzar, is going to declare what the law is, what is right or wrong. The enemy of your soul is trying to declare what is right and wrong. Government's trying to tell us in so many different ways what's right and wrong. And that's what King Nebuchadnezzar was in the wickedness and, and his ultimate desire was to be worshiped. Now here's the truth, don't miss this. The enemy of our soul is fighting for our worship. Amen. Last week I said it was our affections, it's our worship, it's our devotion. And without us even realizing it, we get, we get, we get pulled like a magnet into it. We've been brought into Babylon and without realizing it, we're living in Babylon and we're learning the ways and the language and the culture of Babylon. And if we're not careful, we turn from that which we know. They were teenagers. They were teenagers. Pastor Christian used to be a, a youth pastor. They were teenagers. It made me think if my young sons 
were captured and taken away at 13, 14, 15 years old, would they have held true to their faith? Would they be so strong in their faith that they would not have been sucked in to the Babylonian culture? Man, what has happened to us? I want you to hear me today. I want want to capture your heart for the moment is that the enemy is doing the same thing right now. And my encouragement to you is don't be so well adjusted to this world. Don't begin to fit into this world that you don't see it. You don't understand it. You're not understanding what God is trying to do. God warned Israel over and over and over again. And God's warning you and I, don't reject him. Don't turn from him. Don't refuse his way, but continue to look upon his eyes. Let me pick up where I left off. Here, it says that they were to serve in the royal palace. And he says, train these young men in the language and the influence of the culture. Go down to verse five, then king, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine. And from this, and, and from, this uh, from his own kitchens, they were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. Look at verse eight, go down to verse eight. But Daniel was determined. Daniel was determined. I looked that up today. What does it mean to be determined? Is that I have made such a firm decision that there is a resolve within me not to change. Daniel was determined. He didn't lose sight of his faith. He was determined that nothing was going to pull him away. There was a determination that was there. They didn't lose sight of their faith. In these times of uncertainty, our prayer is that you will get clarity, that there will be focus, that you will not lose your faith. You will not lose the the peace of the Lord. And even though things around us are shaken up and things are being taken away, I'm praying that there's men and women of God that are saying, I'm determined. That will rise up and say, I'm determined. I'm making a firm decision that says, no matter what my will says, I am determined. And God will put something into my spirit that says, I am determined. In fact, I want you just to say that with me. I'm determined. I'm determined. We might be in Babylon, but God has a plan for us in Babylon. God has a plan for us that will lead us. And it says, but Daniel was determined to determine what not to defile himself. Some translations said he was purposed. It was purposed in his heart. There's an embracing of it. There's something that grabs us and we embrace this and it means defile that I'm not going to allow myself to be polluted. I'm not going to allow myself to be contaminated. I'm not going to allow myself to be corrupted. Corrupted by how? By the affections of this world that we talked about last week. By the ways of Babylon, the culture of Babylon, the things that this world would offer. There is something in me that says I am determined that I will not defile myself. And I hope you feel this today. In fact, I want you in the chat right now just to, just to make a declaration with me. I am determined. I'm determined. It's an act of the will. It's not what you know. You see, Daniel and his friends knew some things, but there was something that had to get deeper in their heart, and it was that I am determined that I will not defile myself. So here's the point I want you to write down. Difficult circumstances always reveal, they always reveal our true affections. You see, your focus will always follow your affection. Daniel shows us his loyalty to God. I wonder where my loyalty is sometimes, really. 
Am I really loyal? Am I really at this place where I'm saying, God, I am determined that nothing is going to pull me away from what you have. Yes, he drew a line in the sand. As a young man, there was a line that says, I am determined I will not devile myself. And therefore he said, and I said last week in another way, and I say it again this week to you, there was something in him that says, I refuse to compromise and I refuse to conform. My prayer for you is that you will not compromise. My prayer is that we will not conform. In fact, I want you just to say that with me right now. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse to conform. I refuse to compromise. God, guard my heart. God, help my affections be set on you. Yes, I'm in this world, but I do not want to be controlled and influenced by this world. I, want to be, I don't want to be of this world. I'm in it, but I don't want to be of it because I, I know that I am controlled by the master, the savior, the one that has saved my life. You're the one that's leading and guiding me and I give you everything I have. Can I hear an amen there? Hallelujah. So here in a few moments, before I continue in our story, I want us to do that. I just, I just want us to have a moment to recommit. A moment just to say, God, I, I, I renew, I, I recommit, I'm determined. God, I'm purposing in my heart. I'm making, a, in, I'm making a statement of my will that says, God, my loyalty is to you. I will not defile myself and I refuse compromise and I refuse to conform because God my eyes are on you so right where you're at right where you're at I want you as we just begin to sing this song I just want you to make this a time of worship for a moment a time you might even know not even know the lyrics but as you watch the lyrics just begin to pray it in your mouth. Begin to say it in your spirit. You may want to reach over and take someone's hand and you want to just, just begin to declare it together. Let there be a declaration that rises up that says, God, I'm standing in who you are and who I know I am in you. Let's sing this together. If the altar's where you need us, take me there. Take me there if what you need is just an offering It's right here, my life is here And I'll be a living sacrifice for you You're a fire, the refiner I wanna be consumed, I wanna be tried
we serve. You know what? The lessons that God gives to us through Daniel, we can come to a place of understanding what happens in Daniel's life. Daniel and his friends, you know, they wrestled with a question that we probably all ask. How far can we engage in our culture without compromising our own convictions? Where do we draw the line? Where do we draw the line in our own lives as we see that we are oppressed by every side? Where do we draw the line? We find ourselves coming to places of choices and decisions each and every day. But I think the Lord is calling us to a, a new future and saying, what does this mean to you personally? What does this mean to your family? You see, Daniel was brought up in a family and in that family, there were convictions that were brought around him. There were things that were established and those that were in his family aligned themselves. They put themselves in that place, being able to develop those, those convictions. You know, a quote comes from Russell Moore. He says, a Christianity that is without friction in the culture is a Christianity that dies. Well, I want you to know today that we are going to live and raise a banner of a Christianity that will shine across the land. And we are a part of that, you and I. And I want you to agree today as we go in a time of prayer in a few moments. But I want you to understand some things about Daniel and his friends. Like it was said, he was abducted from his home. He was taken to Babylon at the age around 12 and 16. He was in that university, that three years of university to be able to become a Babylonian operative. He was, he was developing. They were trying to develop him. So in those moments, him and his friends had to make a decision. They had to make decisions about what they wanted to do. They realized that it had to be done in a right way so that they could see a future for themselves. But God was right there. God was right before them. He was using what was established in their person, in their nature, in their culture. What was God given to them in their family? We've been talking about family. We've been talking about family this week. And boy, I tell you, God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing in us. And I pray today that you will really grasp a hold of what the Lord is saying to you, even into your family. Daniel was at that place. He was taught. He was taught in his family. And you know, he could have been bitter, he could have been bitter towards even Babylon. He could have been bitter being abducted. He was taken away from his family and his friends. And maybe he could have even been, you know, uh, um, bitter towards God. But he chose, oh, I love this. He chose to lead, to lead by example with integrity. He, was, he had an integral heart. He was speaking out truth. He was living out truth. And he was a witness among a culture that did not honor God. So this is what is so beautiful to see what Daniel had cultivated in his life. You know, we may be living in Babylon right now, but we are not at the mercy of a pagan culture. We're not at the mercy of a pagan culture. I want to come to the scripture of Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 through 21. It says, now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. He was the chief of staff and he really respected Daniel. He saw something different. He says, but he responded, you know what? I'm afraid of my Lord and King who has ordered that you eat the food and wine that he is offering you. If, I be, if you become pale and thin compared to all the other use of your age, I'm afraid the King will, will be head me. And so he was even sharing what was happening in that circumstance, in that situation. He says, I will be beheaded. He says, Daniel said, 
He said, hey, let's talk about this. He spoke to, uh, he said, Daniel spoke with the attendant who was appointed to the chief of staff to look over after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He says, please test us for 10 days on the diet of vegetable and water. And he says, and in the 10 days, Daniel says, see how we look. See how we look. Well, I tell you, I'm pretty, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what I would have thought if I was standing as Daniel and saying, you know what? Hey, listen, I got another idea. I think that there's something that's better because I know that I can't, I can't eat what the, what the king is giving to me because it is not of my, it is not by law and rule that I understand. It is not by my God. I know that I have to stand in the convictions of what I know is true. So he put it before him and he says, hey, just try it out. Let's take, you know, let me eat vegetables. Let us, me and my friends, eat vegetables and let us eat water and let's see what we'll have and see how we look. And he says, okay, at the end of 10 days, you see how we look? He says, make the decision how we look and see what you want to do with us. So he's allowing even God to use him in this moment in time to saying, you know what? How I am going to look is going to be a representation of what God does in me because I'm going to eat healthy. I'm not going to take what's been given to me, you know, like we're saying, I'm not going to be taking what's given to me that is not healthy for my life or my body or what is necessary from what the king is giving to my, to my body and to my life. And, you know, he says the attendant agreed to the suggestion and he tested him for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier, better nourished than any of the young men that were eating and the food assigned by the king. So I don't know about you, <laughs> but my kids are really liking to eat all the stuff that's out there right now. You know, the chips and all this kind of thing. And I come home and I say, hey, 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 hey. I said, listen, enough of this. You're going to gain a lot of weight because all it's going to do is just make you more tired. You're not going to have strength, you know, and I know you're dealing with that with your kids at home, you know, where you're trying to keep them healthy, but they're probably just eating everything that they want around the house because they kind of get bored. But you know what? Daniel knew that it was even at a young age, he stood for the convictions that were real to his to his life he says so after the attendant fed them the vegetables and the food and the wine provided for the others God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect I love that God gave them an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom and God gave Daniel a special ability to interpret meanings and visions of dreams when the training period ordered by the king was completed the chief of staff he brought them to King Nebuchadnezzar and the king talked with them and no one impressed him like these men no one impressed him like Daniel no one impressed him like uh, Michelle and Azariah so they entered the royal service see God had a plan and that's what the thing is we forget that is God establishing our family it's very important we're going to talk about you know a couple of convictions that's important about us to remember how are we doing what is God doing with us right now about how things can be transpired or changed in us he says whenever the king consulted on any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment 
Well, I tell you, I hope all my three boys find a place that they're going to be given wisdom, just like Daniel. I pray that God will raise them up in the ways of the Lord and that the Lord's going to use them in mighty ways. And I'm believing that for even us and what we're doing with our families, that we can believe God, that he can establish that. And he says, he found them 10 times more capable than any magician and enchanters of the entire kingdom. Daniel remained the royal servant, human royal service until the first year of the reign of, of King Cyrus. Difficult circumstances realign our conviction. Difficult circumstances realign our convictions. We're in difficult circumstances, but I tell you today, God's wanting to realign our convictions. Realign our convictions. Many of us as parents, maybe we're brought up with convictions, but it was very hard to deal with how, how to make that come around sometimes in our life with our kids. My encouragement to you today is, how are your convictions? What is happening? What are you, how are you modeling them? There are biblical convictions that flow from three sources, and I wanna share this with you today. They are caught through godly models. They are caught through godly models, not just told. Sometimes we as parents, sometimes we as parents, we just tell. We expect. And the Lord help wants us to be able to listen to where their language is. Listen to what's happening with them so that God can help you to model it in front of them so that they can see what you're doing, so that they can see how you're living, how you're walking. Model Model, model God, God's, God's ways. Model the ways that God gives, God gives to you. They are conveyed through careful and instructional, uh, careful intentional instructions. Careful intentional instructions. They are conveyed. How are you conveying them? Are you conveying them in love? Or are you conveying them in judgment? I encourage you today, convey them in love. Help them to see that you want them to be able to know the truth and the truth that sets them free. They're confirmed by experiencing God. Are we experiencing God? Are we seeing that hand, that confirmation of the Holy Spirit upon our lives? I encourage you today, let us help to be caught. Let it be caught through, caught through God models. How are we as a model for Christ? How do we convey it? How do we live? And how do we confirm it by the experience of the Lord? I ask you today that we can pray to ask God to help us. How are we currently feeling about the pressures that the world is giving to us? Where are our values? Where are our values and how we're walking through this time? Are we just kind of letting this time go by? Are we not realizing and recognizing that God has something he wants to speak into our lives? Let's pray. I want you to just put your hand over your heart for just a moment. And I just want you to pray for wisdom and that God will give wisdom and conviction that we will not, we may be in this world, but we will not be of this world. And that us as families, that we will help to develop a culture that the Lord desires. We wanna develop a culture that Christ, Christ convictions, Christ uh, truth is established in our home. So I wanna encourage you today, put your hand over your heart. Lord, we just ask you right now that Lord, you would just help us to understand what it means, God, to be godly models. Lord, I pray that we will talk truth. 
We will not just say something and not really mean it. We will speak the truth in love. God, we will be convicted, Lord, by things that are ordered in our lives by your word, that we will walk in that. God, we pray that you will help us to convey through careful and intentional instruction. God, I pray that we will be careful with our kids. <laughs> we'll listen and then we will speak. And God, that will give us time to be intentional about what we speak to them. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, as Daniel, Lord, has been able to grow. He was able to grow in his family and be able to understand those convictions. That, Lord, you would be able to help us as a family to be able to establish that so that our sons, Lord, our daughters, our sons and daughters will be established, Lord, for your name's sake. Lord, I pray that you would confirm this by your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I pray that in difficult circumstances that we will realign our convictions. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Oh, I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever
talking about is standing in clarity. Today we talked about standing in clarity. First of all, difficult circumstances, they reveal, they reveal to you and I our true affections. And we've gotta be determined. We've gotta be determined that we're not going to allow Babylon, we're not gonna allow the things of this world to change our thinking, to change our worship, to steal those things that are so important to us. Difficult, difficult circumstances always reveal our true affections. Difficult circumstances always realign our conviction. It realigns us to that which is important and that which we wanna build our lives on. And lastly, I wanna just share this last and final thought with you is difficult circumstances. It always releases within us a courage to press on no matter what's happening around us. And that's what we see happening in the life of Daniel is all of a sudden with Daniel and his friends, something began to rise up. They knew who they were in God. They understood the character of God. Even as young men, there was a conviction that was in them. The ways of God had been imparted to them. They had learned it as, as Candy shared by the example of their family. They had been modeled to them. It had been instructed, the instructions that came to them began to shape the knowledge of who they knew they were. But also what happens is they had experienced God and that experience with God was so real that it held them when they landed in Babylon. And what happens in those difficult circumstances when you realign your convictions, when you really understand what is grabbing the, 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 the love of your heart, the affections of your heart, when you really determine in your life that you're not, you're not going to defile yourself, courage begins to rise up. And all of a sudden, it begins to unify you and it begins to move you within because something has grabbed your spirit. I'm telling you, that's happening right now. And this time, I'm watching believers get realigned. I'm watching people begin to once again come back and begin to understand what God's will and God's plan and God's purpose in their life is. And all of a sudden, it begins to rise up this courage that says we're gonna do something great for God. So I shared with you over the last several weeks, it's a theme I keep coming back because I want you to grab it. Courage is not the absence of fear. But courage moves you in spite of your fear. It overcomes fear, it overcomes doubt, it overcomes the, the uncertainties and the worry and the anxiety of all the times. That's what this series is all about, focusing, living with clarity in times of uncertainty. There's a courage that rises up that moves you in spite of everything that's around. This week, as we served the community, I was out and, and we, were, we were serving the cars and the individuals that were coming, the families that were coming through this past week. And, and man, what caught me was the joy that was in the volunteers, those that were serving. We had our mask on, we had our gloves on, we were fist pumping, we were air hugging, you know. But there was a joy because the people of God had come back together again. And there was such a joy that was there. And what I saw rising up over and over was this courage. This this courage that says, we're not afraid. This courage that says, yes, things are uncertain right now, but we've got clarity. Clarity in who our God is, clarity in what God's called us to do, a clarity that drives us in everything that we are and everything that we do for the Lord. You see, the Bible says we are light in the midst of darkness. You know, a couple weeks before the pandemic, 
Pastor Stephen called, uh, Pastor Stephen called me one day and, and Pastor Stephen said, Pastor Tom, before you leave, I want you to come to the campus because I had some things going on and the Spanish campus and other things. He says, before you leave to go home, I want you to come by the Fort Lauderdale campus. And he says, why don't you come by about 8.30 or nine o'clock? And I was like, 8.30 or nine o'clock, something's up, right? Something's going on. But, and he says, bring Pastor Candy with you. And so sure enough, we had a meeting. So we were in the area and we drove by and Pastor Stephen says, I wanna show you something. And he took me out to the front of the commercial uh, property here at Fort Lauderdale campus. And he said, he says, I wanna show you, we talk about all the time how we're a lighthouse in this community. And, and as the light shines brighter here at home, it'll shine further around the world. And we're to be a lighthouse for all to see. And he says, you talk about it all the time. And we've talked about, I don't know if many people know it, but there's a tower on the building of Fort Lauderdale. There's this big tower and pastors, and we've always tried to get a light in there. And we were always told that we couldn't do it. And then one day, uh, because of the airport by us, and one day I was driving by the airport and Calvary Chapel has this big football field and these lights are shining. And I'm like, if they can light up the football field, we can light up a little bitty tower right here. Well, sure enough, Pastor Stephen and, and some of the guys got together and they put a light in the tower, shining up to the tower. And he says, I want to show it. And they plugged it in and the light came on in the tower. And it was a statement that we are a light to this community and the light is going to shine no matter where we are as messengers of hope in Christian Life Center, that there's a courage that's rising up and we're going to shine bright. Now that was in January. That was, that was the, the end of January, 1st of February. That was before we ever got into this pandemic. And can I tell you, that was a prophetic statement that was taking place right then and there. We've been saying it, but that light shined into that tower. And man, since the pandemic, Monday through Friday, every day, we've been serving hundreds of kids and teenagers with meals each and every day. Each week, we've been serving food to hundreds and hundreds of families and thousands of people. We're shining bright as the light of the gospel is going forth. You are messengers of hope and that's what God has called us to be I want to finish by reading you a scripture a scripture that's very 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 famous uh, if I said popular or many of us have memorized it it's found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 it says you are the salt of the earth but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor now that's what we're talking about today. Daniel was determined not to lose his flavor. So what good is it if salt has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot and is worthless. If you've never lived up north in the snow, you don't quite understand that. But up north, I mean, when it snows, salt's thrown down so it melts away the path. He says salt that's lost its flavor, that's what's happened. It's trampled underfoot. It's no longer any good. It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot. It's worthless. But you, if you're with somebody right now, point to them and say you. You, 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 in your living room, you. What he's saying is you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop, you cannot be hidden. See, 
when you know where your true affections are, when you're determined that you're not gonna be defiled, when your loyalty is rooted in God, when you refuse, refuse to compromise, to conform, when you realign your convictions. You see, like Israel, they had drifted from their convictions. For years and years and years, God would send prophets. He would send messengers. He would be calling his people back and they drifted. They forgot God. They rebelled against God. And so God had to send judgment on the land and the godly felt that judgment. But what was he doing? Was he was drawing them back. And he says, that's what you are. Look here again. He says, you are on top of the hilltop. You cannot be hidden. No one's lights. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a, a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds, and that's what's happening right now is the ministry that's flowing from our life, the good deeds that are going out to serve those that are around us, light in the midst of darkness, living in Babylon, but serving. Candy mentioned a thought, and man, it gripped me this week. Can you imagine how much hatred Daniel could have had? He could have had for King Nebuchadnezzar. He could have had for the people of Babylon. I mean, here he's been taken captive, moved to another country, forced to leave his family, his friends, his dreams. He had dreams like you have dreams. He had visions of what his future would look like, what a family would look like. And he was snatched from that forced to learn another language. It wasn't by choice. Forced to learn another language. Forced, forced to learn another culture. Forced to live in a pagan society. Think about that. Everything that was valuable to him had been stripped away from him. Man, oh, so much anger that could have rose up. And yet he served. He was a light. He saw that God had another plan. God had another purpose. God was gonna use him. And that's what Jesus says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see. Why? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. When I think about that, I see the courage that was in Daniel and his friends. And my prayer is that you and I will have that kind of courage. My prayer right now is that you and I will begin to walk in the ways of God that we will hear the voice of God, that we will turn back to the heart of God, that we'll understand what God is saying and what God is doing. You see, I believe this pandemic is something that God is using to get our hearts again. Why do I keep coming back to this thought over and over and Because I believe God has given us a prophetic voice in this moment. This isn't just good services, it's not just good worship, it's a prophetic moment. Why am I asking you to share this? It's a prophetic moment. It's a prophetic word. It's the voice of the Lord that's coming forth, that's saying to you and I, rise up. In difficult circumstances, it releases courage. And I'm praying that you and I will be the Daniels in this generation. That there's an army that rises up some of you have not been a part of the Christian Life Center family before, but something is gripping you. There's something pulling you. And it's that God is drawing the Daniels and he's drawing you and I. And he's saying, I got a plan. I've got a purpose. I'm gonna use you in Babylon. I'm gonna use you in this moment. And I want you to focus.
stand with clarity. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.